Welcome to the RYR Endurance Team Podcast. We are grateful that you've chosen to tune in and listen. If you are a runner, aspiring runner, triathlete, or aspiring triathlete, you are in the right place. We love sharing what we know about these sports. If you like what you hear, you can always learn more by contacting us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or by visiting our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe to our podcast. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening. Hey there. Hey. (laughs) What's going on today? Not much. How was your run this morning? It was nice. I thought I was going to get rained on, but it uh, it was wonderful. Same here, and I got the added bonus. I got to run with Jacob our son and then while you went running I got to play with our granddaughter so so she woke up she did no well good she's the sweetest thing on earth yes she is yeah I thought it might be good for us to talk a little bit about when we discuss an athlete and figure out their plan for the upcoming week what are some different things that we consider you're right I think a lot of athletes trust what's written on a, a plan and don't really understand it you know, giving some insight into that would be good for a lot of people. When I was running this morning, I was a little disappointed because you had told me I would not be signed up for the marathon that you're running in a couple weeks. Who knew the Gulf Coast Marathon would sell out? Yeah, I was surprised by that as well. I was just doing a little race day reconnaissance, continuing to look at that, surprised that it has filled up. I guess on a tangent, I'm really excited about the upcoming race. Disappointed that you're not going to be able to sign up, but the half is still open if you want to jump in that. I'm not real sure that three-hour training run warrants a half. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. I'll think about it. Yeah. Depends on if there's a tailwind. No, just kidding. Just yeah. Kidding. So, the, the Gulf Coast Marathon, if you're not familiar with it, it's in Biloxi, Mississippi. Uh, the starting line is about 25 miles to the west along the Gulf of Mexico. You run to the east pretty much, well, the whole way. It could be a really good day or it could be a really bad day depending on the wind direction. (laughs) So I reached out to the support email about a variety of questions that I had, but one of them was, what directions does the wind typically blow? (laughs) And really didn't have an answer, I guess. Um, We'll find out in about 18 days, which which direction the wind's going to blow. I put the pressure on him. I qualified for Boston recently at the Grand Rapids, Michigan race. I guess it was called the last chance to BQ, BQ2 or something. Anyway, he decided to find a race in BQ as well. In case Boston ever has an in-person race again, hopefully <laughs> we'll be able to sign up. Well, sure hope so. Anyway, while I was on my run and a little bit bummed, I was thinking of this Bible verse, and I couldn't remember where it was, so I just looked it up before we jumped on here, but Romans 12, 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, and be constant in prayer. So I love that verse for a variety of reasons, especially the constant in prayer. We just want to be faithful and constant in prayer regardless of our current situation or circumstances, so... And I'm very thankful not to have an injury right now because sometimes I feel like I'm 
in that patient in affliction <laughs> land in that area of the verse but praise the lord i've been healthy since that prp injection a few months ago in my upper hamstring i mean that my hamstring's been doing great i've been much more religious with my um, pt exercises being proactive to keep it healthy mm -hmm. this time i don't know about you but i tend to do a whole lot better doing my physical therapy when i'm hurting and then when all is well i tend to forget it but that's that's a topic as well we could cover for another day i'm sure I'll just add to that, I just feel blessed as well to be able to run or bike or swim every day when I get up out of bed, and um, we may not always be able to do that, but just very thankful for all the memories and the friendships and the races and the fitness that has come out of all of our training, and yeah, what, what a blessing. Yep, I agree. So I'll get on topic here a little bit then, if we want to, if we want to talk about how we put together a weekly plan and I want to talk about really kind of three areas that we discussed because there's a whole lot to it like there's periodization where there's times where our blocks for our athletes are much more intense than other blocks and you can't keep it that intensity all the time because you have to be cyclical with your with your fitness and with your body you've got to give it time to recover and absorb fitness and then jump into the next training cycle but really, there's there's three areas of fitness that we try to make sure that we address all three. And I guess the backbone of it, we refer to as aerobic threshold. And that's just runs where we're building endurance. So whether you're a half marathoner or even a, a 10K, like running 10Ks, marathon, half Ironman, Ironman, any of those, really any triathlon, you need some amount of endurance. So to me, this is just the foundation. Those, I think a lot of people refer to it as LSD, long, slow distance. It's just building that base. And honestly, and of course you've read a lot of books about the 80-20 rule and that type of thing, but we try to structure each week's workout where our athletes land in that at least 80% of the time of more of the easy conversational pace. For some of our athletes, we'll refer to perceived effort with them. That's probably my favorite is having athletes go off effort. Some athletes really like to look at their data a little bit more, and so we might hone in and work with them on their heart rate and keep in certain zones. Some athletes really like to look at paces, but to me, paces are so variable if it's a 102 heat index mm -hmm. your exact same effort is going to yield a much slower pace than if it's 42 degrees and ideal conditions outside so and the same thing with swimming for example in a swimming pool it's constant temperature just depending on your fatigue going a certain pace may be a lot more difficult one day than it is the next depending on uh, your life circumstances have been or your previous training and same thing on the bike if you're going by speed and there's so many things that impact that you you've got the the hills you've got the wind yeah perceived effort is a really good metric to to go off of yeah it's definitely my favorite to take a look at and on the, the bike in general if an athlete needs data I tend to lean toward heart rate over power simply because on one day when the conditions are great 
an athlete may be able to sustain, say, pushing 210 watts for their threshold ride or interval ride. And then on another day, it just may be hot or their overall fatigue may be much more based on their training or, as you said, life life happens. That's the funny thing. The body really doesn't distinguish whether it's stress you're putting on yourself from yard work or stress at work or whatever. All that stress accumulates and spills over into like a bike ride or whatever. So if you, I think heart rate gives you a much more consistent number of how hard you're working. If you have a reliable heart rate monitor. True. We, we've seen personally and with others that you know, sometimes wrist-based heart rate monitors or even chest-based heart rate monitors can be off, but in, in general they give us a pretty good gauge as to the effort you're putting in. Yeah, so we're not going to get into a whole bunch of that today and we're not even going to really get into how we identify different heart rate zones for each athlete or how we identify power levels for each of these different workouts, but because both of us perceived effort is our favorite way to talk to our athletes about how hard we want them to work in each each but we're going to be we're going to take a much more broad view of this today and just kind of talk about it so with the aerobic threshold workout each week we try to land at least 80 percent sometimes it's more than that just depending on if we're in an intense cycle or recovery cycle but just that long purposeful slower distance i won't necessarily say easy because People misconstrue what easy means and they think they're wasting their time. It's purposeful, I would say. Mm -hmm. Keeping the effort, the perceived effort low, and just time on your feet. It not only helps build your aerobic capacity for endurance running, but it also gives your skeletal system and your muscular system time to catch up. Because what we've noticed, especially even with our newer athletes, is their cardio gets in shape so much faster than their muscular and skeletal system. So they're feeling great and they want us to add and add and add to their workload and cardio wise, they can handle it. Their, their lungs are feeling great, their breathing's improving, but we have to really help them be patient and let the mm -hmm. skeleton and the muscles catch up with the aerobic capacity. So that being said, a lot of a lot of what we plan for each of our athletes each week is just in that nice, slow, meaningful, purposeful base running. Anything you want to add to that? Yeah, and, and it carries over into swimming and biking as well. Just you know, long, steady swims. You know, working on technique, getting more comfortable breathing, and same thing on the bike. Just could be a social ride or it could just be just a real purposeful ride out by yourself maybe listening to a, a podcast like this or your favorite music or just you know just spending time in prayer just you know purposeful building a foundation for the more challenging work to, to take your fitness level up just a notch yeah and the only other thing I'll say is for the athletes that we coach a lot of them have groups that they meet with and we, we really have to talk with them about their their pace and effort on some of these runs because it's easy to get out. Like suppose an athlete has a aerobic threshold of around a, a 9.15 pace, just happens to be that athlete's. And it, it, will, it will, would range, but 
we look and they're way out of range like they've just done their runs at 7.30s. And so we're kind of commenting and asking what's going on. They're like, oh, Buddy was telling a story. So we just kind of got out and went too fast. And so it's, it's really just kind of important because a lot of athletes, when we first um, start coaching them, all of their runs look the same. And they just go out and run kind of medium hard every day. And it doesn't create any improvement. I've experienced the same thing on the bike. Um, it's, it's nice to go out with the friends for a bike ride, but sometimes... Oftentimes it turns into a race. Yeah, that may be a lot of fun, but is that the best thing for your long-term fitness? You know, there's some education, there's some patience. There's some times when athletes need to say no to the group ride or the group run and really focus in on, on what's best for their fitness. You know what I've had to say no to? What's that? Zwift. Zwift is a, is a challenge for, for <laughs> us. As uh, athletes and coaches, every day is a race on Zwift. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not, I'm not in any way downplaying Zwift. We have athletes who use, utilize Zwift appropriately and properly and stay within what they need to do each day. But for me personally, I don't, I don't know how many of you have been on Zwift, but when it comes to that, <laughs> what's that section, that sprint section, it's been so long now since I've gotten on it because I'm supposed to be doing more of a aerobic threshold ride and all of a sudden I get to that section where they rank you based on the little segment you and I'm just tearing it up and Dean's looking over <laughs> going what are you doing like in this your uh, aerobic threshold day and I'm like I know but I could get number one today and anyway so I, I'm kind of competitive that way so Zwift is not the best thing for me to get on when I'm working in my aerobic threshold yeah I, I must say that Zwift also has the ability to do structured workouts. If you avoid doing the races, maybe you can avoid doing some of the group rides and focus in on purposeful workouts. Zwift is still a really good tool. Yeah, and some people really thrive on it. And heading into the winter months here in Kentucky, we are. It's, we, we have the four seasons here, and it's still pretty enough where there is some outdoor biking, but it's a lot of people are transitioning to indoor and Sometimes having a program like Zwift or Trainer Road or something, uh, some people have TVs and Netflix or whatever, but sometimes it's nice to have something to do rather than stare at the white wall in front of you. Definitely. <laughs> so anyway, the, the base of our training is aerobic threshold. And honestly, with new athletes, we build that base and we may stay there with them for three months before we do anything beyond that. And they'll be comment and texting or emailing like okay this looks a whole lot like last week except for such and such and we're like yeah be patient be consistent it, it really does and it goes back to what made me think of that scripture is just being patient <laughs> it takes a lot of patience it doesn't look great on Strava so if you're on Strava or you share you if you network on Garmin or some of those apps it's not going to look fancy or like you've slayed the world that day, but in the long run, that's really not what's important to the overall fitness. We encourage our athletes to look at the big picture. What are their goals? What were they thinking when they decided they needed a coach and reached out to us? And then we try to keep that focus on that bigger picture that it may be a process of six months, a year, 18 months, two years, five years to gradually build fitness to achieve some of those big goals. 
Some people are really close to those big goals and have a strong foundation. And yes, we'll challenge them with some, some difficult workouts. But in general, it's a very gradual, patient process to try to get to the goal and stay healthy along the way. Agreed. So aside from the base training that really the majority of athletes week lives there, we try to focus on two specific types of work in order to build two specific types of fitness. So the first one that I want to talk about is VO2 max, which is also known as aerobic capacity. So basically the way the body works, and I don't want to get real scientific about this, is that oxygen in your aerobic state flows through your body and your blood efficiently and oxygen is used to release the amino acids and the fat and the carbs that are necessary for the muscles to do the work. And so as long as that oxygen is flowing well, then your body can do the work. But in everybody's aerobic capacity is different or VO2 max is different. But at some point, under some amount of workload, the oxygen is no longer sufficient to do that. Like you you go from aerobic, which means oxygen fueling it, to anaerobic, meaning your body's just digging for whatever it can because it can no longer get any more oxygen. Everybody's VO2 max and aerobic capacity, if measured, would be different. And it's not always the same either. Mine could be one thing in January and then at the end of the training block be different. Uh, There are labs that test VO2 max and then there are also uh, different types of time trial tests that we can do with athletes to kind of get a general idea. But what's important today is not what your VO2 max is, it's how to improve your VO2 max. So basically what you want to do is design workouts that teaches your body to keep using oxygen under harder loads, if that makes sense. You're looking at me like, what, wait, what? <laughs> no, that makes sense. Okay, so we des- we design interval training, and again, for newer athletes, it looks a little bit different than our seasoned athletes, but basically, it's short intervals and the recovery time is, is generally the same amount of time as the actual workload. So we may start with a new athlete with 30 seconds hard, 30 seconds recovery, 30 seconds hard, 30 seconds recovery. That could be an interval on a bike. That could be an interval on a run. With a swim, it's a little bit different because things aren't really measured in time. I like to measure things in time. Some Coaches and athletes measure things in distance, like a tenth of a mile on and a tenth of a mile recovery or whatever. But I really like to look at it in terms of time. In swimming, it's a little bit different. It might be a 25-yard sprint and then rest at the wall for whatever amount of time it took you to get down there. And that varies Mm -hmm. a whole lot (laughs) by athletes. Like you get down the 25 yards much quicker than I do. So your recovery time is going to be less than my recovery time. Mm-hmm. So with running, it, it we may start there. 30 seconds hard, 30 seconds easy. And we might build in four or five of those and then work up. I, I know Bart Yasso 
did a lot of this with his yasso training. He he would say, okay, you're going to do a half a mile in three minutes, 54 seconds, and then you're going to recover for three minutes, 54 seconds. So those types of short, intense interval trainings over time increased your aerobic capacity and increase your VO2 max so that under a workload, your body can continue to use oxygen. Would you uh, like to add anything about VO2 max? I'll just say that when you get into interval training, you know, things get interesting. Your workouts are much more varied than when you're doing long, slow distance or uh, aerobic threshold. And, you know, what we tend to do with athletes, you may be able to do yourself as well, is create a structured workout. We use training peaks and we create structured workouts for our athletes and, and they can sync those to their watch and do the workout based off their watch. And that, that really takes some of the stress out of the workout. You don't necessarily have to be looking at your watch all the time because it's going to notify you when it's time to start a pickup, when it's time to recover. And you can also use it to, to gauge your pace. We like to, if we're gonna do pace, we like to put in a range for the pace in the structured workout unique for each individual so that their watch gives them some feedback on whether they're in the in the proper pace range. You can also create structured workouts in uh, Garmin Connect if you have a Garmin watch and, and that's a nice way to do it as well. So what other type of workouts are we going to talk about today? So we've talked a little bit about just staying easy. We've talked about these really hard VO2 max workouts and then there's kind of the in betweeners a little bit and uh is that really a word no in betweeners in betweeners <laughs> it is now <laughs> in case you didn't know we're from kentucky and <laughs> well, i don't think in betweeners is a kentucky word come on come on i'm not sure it is a word but anyway i think it's pretty clear what it means so let's continue okay so the third type of workout that we create for our athletes in a training block works on increasing lactate threshold. And lactate threshold, if you've ever been running really hard and at some point you feel like you are going to throw up and you just have to stop and maybe you actually do, that is probably because you have reached your lactate threshold what happens is as you're putting a load on your body your muscles are creating byproducts that go into your bloodstream and it starts building up when you work at a certain level of intensity your body is able to keep up with that byproduct that is increasing in your in your blood and so it's able to wash it out at the same rate that it's entering mm -hmm. your bloodstream at some point your body can no longer efficiently do that under whatever load. For some people, that starts happening at 50% of their VO2 max. For some athletes, 80%. So it's usually somewhere in that 50 to 80% of your VO2 max where that lactate threshold is reached and you start feeling that, I'm going to toss my cookies. Now for some elite athletes, that threshold could be well up into the 90-something percents mm -hmm. just because of 
that's what they do all day every day is they work on increasing these loads. And I'll just add that, you know, we're not encouraging you or our, our athletes to push themselves till they're ready to toss their cookies. Nope. <laughs> so just other symptoms that you've reached that limit, you're on a uh, workout and you're working hard and you get to the point where you're just no longer able to maintain the pace that you had before, you're probably at that limit in a, in a longer workout. It's important for you to know and for us as coaches to know what that limit is for, for each athlete. So anyway, we design workouts specifically to help athletes improve their lactate threshold because once you reach that lactate threshold, the only way to recover from it is to slow down. So what we want to do is right now, if your lactate threshold is, is reached at 50% of your VO2 max, then over time, we want to increase that where maybe you can uh, work to 60% or 70% or 80%. Like we want to slowly help athletes, again, consistently over time, mm -hmm. increase where their lactate threshold is so that that overall will improve their ability to perform. Yeah, so just to put it in other terms, we're trying to build your ability to go fast and your ability to maintain going fast. Yes, to sustain that. That's what we want to be able to do. So I just, I wanted to talk a little bit about what that looks like. These would be efforts that are, I would, I would say if you're going with rate of proceed effort, I like to think of it in terms of half marathon pace effort. I, th I think that's about the best effort level to work out in, in order to increase the lactate threshold. And then for these, we like to do some tempo training and I still like to do them in intervals. There's a, there's a bunch of different ways to do this and there's a bunch of different types of workouts that we design. But an example of that, we may have an athlete do eight minutes at half marathon pace and then have them do a two minute recovery. Normally we'll build in the recovery to be about a fourth of the time. Whereas with VO2 max, the interval time and the recovery time is a one-to-one -one relationship. With this, it's usually about a fourth. So if we have our athletes do eight minutes at half marathon effort, and again, I say effort and not pace. For some athletes, they need a pace and we will give them a pace range. But we like to say effort because again, there are a lot of factors that uh, contribute to what pace that effort is going to result for that day. Yeah, and, and for newer athletes, you may not know what you can run a half marathon. Maybe a half marathon is your goal. We may, based on other assessments that we do, estimate a range for what we think you could do the half marathon in. And then as you're performing your workouts in that range, you'll start to get a sense as, as to what that level of effort is. But, but just think about it, half marathon effort is going to take uh, a seasoned athlete who's been running for a long time, you know, anywhere from an hour and 20 minutes up to, up to two hours. That's a wide range. But then newer athletes, maybe you're going to be up in the two and a half hour range. So your rate of perceived effort is going to result in a much different pacing what a seasoned athlete might might have. Right. And again, that goes back to why it's so important to get 
to know each of our athletes individually because what's going to work, well, just with us, what your workouts look like versus what my workouts look like, completely different just based on where we are in our fitness and our God-given talents and that type of thing. So it is very individual. But I, the bottom line is with biking and running specifically, if you're doing a weekly workout cycle that's beneficial, you're going to be doing the majority of it that's in your well within your aerobic threshold. You're not pushing the limits of your body at all. You're just getting that time in purposefully, building your endurance, which is going to overall build your ability to perform on race day. And then you're going to be doing some hard effort, shorter interval training. And then you're going to be doing some up-tempo training that could be maybe as short as five minutes, but it also could be as long as 40 minutes or more, just depending on where you are as an athlete. It just needs to be designed. Now with swimming, it's, it's a little bit different. Yes, we do want to make sure that we're still addressing all three areas of fitness, but with swimming, you get so much, so much gain out of technique that a lot of times we're not asking our athletes to specifically do a, a this or a that as far as fitness because they're gaining so much fitness in the other areas. But mm -hmm. we really have our athletes trying to think when they swim, like because there's pool swimming, which there's techniques to make you much faster with pool swimming, like flip turns and pushing yourself off the wall and all the things that you want to do technically right when you're racing in a pool that none of it will help you in open water. So when we're working with swimming with our athletes, which this may just need to be a whole different podcast in and of itself, mm -hmm. uh, more than worried about the different fitness levels, we're really worried about what athletes mindfully thinking about what's going to get them through that open water swim the mm -hmm. quickest, which is really probably just a topic for another day. It is a topic. It, and most of the training in a, in a week or in a, in a block is going to be focused on you know, what you're going to spend the most doing on race day. So you're probably going to spend the most time doing your biking. You're going to spend the second most amount of time on your running. And you'll spend the third most amount of time on your swimming. But again, like you're saying, technique is so important. You know, we, we've got a lot of strategies on, on how to help people be successful in a triathlon swim. Yep. And I think for both of us, that was our personal biggest learning curve. And so I think that we're able almost to teach it the best, even though it was probably coming into triathlon, our biggest weakness. But th that's the one sport that both of us had to learn from scratch as an adult. We love working with our athletes and, and seeing them excel in swimming. Yeah, I, I just remember one day being in the pool. I, I'd been struggling and struggling with breathing, and I was unable to do consecutive laps with bilateral breathing, which is you know, alternating sides, basically every third stroke. and just Which, by the way, we don't necessarily encourage. Some of our athletes do great with bilateral some yeah. do much better breathing every 
stroke. But it is important to be able to breathe both directions. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yes, it, certainly when you're in open water swimming, you've got to be able to breathe in both directions. But um, my point being is that through patience, lap after lap in the pool, just, just one day it clicked. I was swimming along, I was trying bilateral breathing, and all of a sudden I just became very relaxed and breathing just, it just wasn't a big deal anymore. Lap after lap, just smooth and steady, not fast, but I just became comfortable after a, a gradual progression over months and months. So that's the end of my tangent. <laughs> so soon, I guess we'll have to have a podcast on swimming techniques that work in open water, especially if you're learning to swim from scratch as an adult. That will be fun. Looking forward to it. I can't wait. <laughs> At RYR Endurance Team, we specialize in customized coaching. What is customized coaching? It's more than a training plan. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. So what are your goals? What are you training for? Contact us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or visit us on our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe to our podcast. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening.